All right. I don't know why I had this weird um, memory of Clem. The other day, he and I were talking about something, and and for no reason at all, he sent me a picture that he took of me in Africa last year um, in between some meetings in kind of a remote, kind of a primitive area. Um, I had gone, as you do in Africa, you just go under a tree and pee. That's what you do. There isn't anywhere else to go. And even if there is a toilet, you don't want to use it typically. <laughs> and so uh, anyway, he took a picture of me standing under a tree taking a pee in between meetings. And I'm thinking, why would you do that? I don't understand. He's weird. But you should come and listen to him anyway. <laughs> Clem has had such a magnificent impact on my life. And, uh, and he continues to. Man, there's so many things we could talk about today. I, I was, over the last couple of weeks, been thinking, man, what, what, could I, what could we talk about? Don't get to do this too often, once or twice a year. And this is a weird world we're living in. And, and uh, I would love to be able to stand here and just in a couple of minutes just bring clarity and understanding, and then the whole world would make sense for you. But I don't think I'm capable of that. So we're going to talk about Jr. It's he's really nice. He, whenever I speak, he he never tells me what I have to say. And so far, he's never told me what I shouldn't say either. Um, there's so many. We could talk about politics. We could talk about the global economy. We could talk about government shifts in power, COVID, false prophecies, false prophets. Lots and lots of big questions we could be talking about. We could be talking about what does the world need? What do you think the world needs right now? Come on, somebody sing it for me. Huh? What the world, come on people, needs now is love, sweet love. Louder. That's the only thing that the world, oh, I lost the words. (laughs) See, if you guys were singing louder, we could have pulled that off. And I wouldn't have looked so dumb up here. Oh, man, does the world need love. The world needs unity. The world needs peace. It needs wisdom. It needs truth. I think it's fair to say it needs Jesus. Way back in the very beginning, when God created man, he created all of the rest of creation first, and then he created man. And what did he say to man? If you've been around here, this is, I harp on this all the time because I think we have to remember why we're here. Why are we here? He, he created man and he said, here it is. Uh, all I want you to do now is I want you to be fruitful and multiply, subdue the earth, and then rule over it. That's what he said he wanted us to do. That's why we're on the planet in the beginning. And honestly, it's why we're still on the planet because we know that Jesus didn't change the plan. When, when Jesus was here and he was speaking to his disciples and he was getting ready to leave, he said, here's what I want you to do. This is what you need to do. Be fruitful and multiply. When, when God initially did that, he said, I, I, I created man in my own image. And then Jesus comes in the image of the Father to earth. And as he's getting ready to leave, he says to his disciples, here's what I want you to do. Be fruitful and multiply. I want you to make disciples. Why? Why? Because he wants the earth to be full of his image. Because he wants the earth to be full of his glory. 
That's why we're on the planet. I mean, there are, there are other extra wonderful things that you can apply to that. But sometimes it's really important to remember that when things aren't going really well, when the world seems to be a mess and not getting any better. I'm, I'm convinced there is nobody on the scene politically that we could put in office that is going to straighten this out. Nobody has the answer in the political world for us right now. And the answer is you. And so what I want to encourage you today, and, and really that's what I want to do, I want to encourage you, I, what I'd like to do is provoke you. I'd like to stick you with a stick and provoke you a little bit so that you would fight just a little bit. But not fight with each other. And again, this is an old message. Your enemies do not have bodies. I've been wanting to say that to you for such a long time. I've said it so many times to this group of people. But honestly, you guys, it is so easy to forget, especially when you're dealing with people, and especially if you're paying attention to, to the world affairs. It's so hard to remember that your enemies don't have bodies. If you are angry at a somebody and a buddy has a body, they are not your enemy. You're angry at the wrong thing. You're, you're, if you see them as your enemy, if you see someone on the political spectrum that is on the far other end of where you think they should be, and they're spouting some of the most ridiculous things in your mind, they are not your enemy. Your enemy doesn't have a body. And the reason that we need to be reminded of that, and the reason we need to be reminded that we're created in the image of God, is that, that we are called to fill this earth with his image, with his goodness, with his glory, with his love. And that is what this earth needs. It's what it's always needed. It's what it will always need. There is something that is about to happen, and it's been about to happen since the very beginning. You remember when, when Jesus was here, he'd always say, now, this is what's about to happen. And we're here 2,000 years later going, well, that didn't seem like about to happen. Because it still doesn't seem like it's happened. But, but we can see prophetically in the Old Testament, there's a promise that was made. And it's a, it's a phenomenal promise. And that is that, that there will be a day when the earth is covered with the glory of God, it is filled like the seas, like the waters cover the sea. There is, this isn't just about you and I going to heaven. It's not about you sharing the gospel with someone so that they can believe, so that they can have their sins forgiven, so that they can be at peace with God, and so that they know when they die they go to heaven. You guys, that is not why we are here. That has never been why we're here. You will not find in the New Testament a lot of conversation about that being why Jesus came to bring the gospel. You will not find Jesus talking a lot about you going to heaven when you die. I just, I challenge you, if you want to go check me out, go and look at your Bible. Which is why I'm here today, to talk to you about looking at your Bible. <laughs> I believe what we need today is a group of people who are in Christ who are full of the Holy Spirit, who are full of faith, and who are continuing to grow in that because they take care of themselves and they feed themselves and they watch over themselves and they help watch over the other people. 
It's called community. But first of all, in community, you've got to have people who take care of themselves. You've got to have people who are mature enough to realize that somebody needs to put something in your brain that makes you stronger and better and faster every year, not slower and dumpier and less visionary. Every year you need to be stronger, no matter what your challenges are. I'm looking at the amazing Colin Quigley, who a few years ago was supposed to be dead. <laughs> at least that's what her enemy thought. And, but I can see a woman who since then has been growing and growing and growing. She is not static. And it doesn't matter what comes up against you. The point is we need to not be static. We need not to be stationary. But we need to be moving. We need to be growing. And we need to not be waiting for somebody to tell us how to do that or to give us what it is that we need to eat in order to become stronger. So today I'm going to provoke you, I hope, no matter who you are or how old you are or what your condition and station in life might be, I think you should be taking care of yourself. I think you should be making sure that you are growing and maturing so that you can actually answer the call of God on your life. Why are you on this planet? Each of us knows that we fit into the cosmic plan, which is to fill the earth with his glory, with his image, with his wonder. But each one of us also, the scripture teaches us, has a reason why we're on the planet, that, that God foreordained good works for you to accomplish while you're on this planet right now. And there is absolutely nobody you can blame if you are not doing that except for yourself. It doesn't matter how old you are. I was visiting with someone the other day. I was talking about when I was a teenager. And I had this, I was young, you know, probably 13, 14. And I had such a, just such a yearning for God. And I didn't know how to find God. I didn't know where he was other than I was kind of a ricochet character where it seemed like God was always out in the mountains when I was on my horse. But other than that, I, I didn't know. Was he in church? Was he in the Bible? Was he in, was he in mass? Was he in communion? Where is, where is God? And, and I wrestled and wrestled and wrestled. And, and part of my wrestling led me to study Catholic theology, which to this day I cannot understand. I, I, I go back and I read the books I read then that made so much sense to me. But, but, but somehow God has just changed me so that that stuff became extraneous, but initially it's what drew me to him. And, and, and I, I learned so much about the vastness and the bigness and the wonder and the glory of God. Things that I, I, didn't, I wasn't learning for many years later in the churches that I went to because we were, we were talking about trying to, we were kind of trying to dissect it all and try to make it make sense. And, and the church I grew up in, in the Catholic church, it was just massiveness, the wonder, the magnificence, the, the eternal character and the lasting reality of God was so real to me when I was growing up and I wanted to know so much more about that. Nobody could teach me about that. People could encourage me, but in the end, I had to find out. You guys, you need to be finding something out. What are you studying right now? Is there any... Hi, Maggie or Eliza. Oh, 
I love granddaughters. Okay. What are we going to talk about today? Do you have a morning routine? Do you have a daily routine of some sort where, where you are searching out God or you're searching out the scripture? I've had seasons where I have like a morning routine. I'm not a morning person at all. If I start to read in the morning, I, I'm sleeping within 10 minutes or so. Um, and so a morning routine has not always been easy for me, but there have been seasons like when I was in college. When I went to law school, um, I felt like the Lord said, okay, we got you into law school. Kid, you could not have done this yourself. You know I did it for you because I had terrible grades, and, and, uh, and I, I just wasn't cut out to be a lawyer. My professor came to me one time after a test and said, Brian, really, your test was so bad that I can't even tell you how to make it better. You just don't seem to have a mind that is capable of understanding how to be a lawyer. And, and, and so it was, it, was, it was terrible. But I felt like the Lord, the Lord got me in there and he said, he said, here's what I'd like you to do. As much as you study man's law, I want you to study mine. And so every morning I'd go to the coffee, to the commons at the university and, and I would spend two or three hours every morning reading scripture and studying it and just writing notes and, and, make, and writing in a journal. And, and that really worked for me because I got up out of my situation and got my coffee and got into a room full of people, which is what gives me energy. You read, you study, you pray, and maybe you journal in your Bible. That's what I used to do. I've often found, do you ever have trouble praying, like trying to figure out, how do I pray? And what I have found is that prayer usually flows naturally or supernaturally out of worship and praise or, and out of Scripture. If I've read Scripture, in a, and if I've not just read it but considered it, so what I would do is I'd, I'd read my Bible and I, I write in it. So uh, some people think that's not holy, but um, the only thing that is holy is God. And so I would write in my Bible and I, I, I'd, I'd read the Psalms. Owen Voigt taught me years and years ago. You can read all of the Psalms in one month. You, uh, you just start with Psalm 1 on the first day of the month and read every Psalm that has a 1 at the end of it that day. All right? And then on the second you do, Owen taught me how to do that. And, and it, so I would be reading, and then if I saw something that was magnificent or wondrous or maybe just made me wonder, I'd underline it and, and I'd, I'd write it down, and then I'd come back to it at the end. And then I'd start writing out these scriptures, and then I'd start asking God questions, and, and then I'd start looking at other scriptures, and then I'd ask God some questions, and then I'd have time of prayer, and I'd be done. What are you doing? Now, I don't do that now because I'm not a morning person. And, and there isn't a coffee shop for me to go. So I don't, that isn't what I do now, but it is what I used to do. Journaling was my prayer. Most of my prayer life has been journaling, writing it down. My daughter, Nini, her, her, her prayer life and her journal are kind of the same. She, she has hardly any words, but lots and lots of pictures and poems. She writes lots of poems, and she'll write songs. And, but, but her journal is just full of doodling and pictures and drawings and things that I could never even imagine, let alone do. What do you do? I'm hoping that if you don't do anything, that by the end of now, by the end of this short period of time we have, that maybe you'll say, you know, I think maybe I'll give another run at this. 
you read, you mark a line, you mark a word, you continue reading, you come back, maybe write it down. Some people, when they, it isn't morning, uh, like I say, it's, morning's just not the best time for me, but some people, they'll do that. They'll get up first thing in the morning and they'll, they'll kind of pray their way through lists. They'll maybe read a scripture or two and worship a little bit, but then they just have these lists. Some, some people have a permanent list where it's like my children, my parents, my, my leaders, my family, um, my great friends, and you just kind of pray your way through that list. Anybody here do that? You have a list that you just work your way through? Yeah. I'm not one of those people either. I would forget where my list is, and, and I, I'm kind of an anti-routine person, and so it doesn't really work for me. And then, and then they might have like a, a changing list that every few months it'll change because um, the person that you've been praying for that has been sick is maybe better or, or they're not. Um, but it, that, that'll change along the way. I, I've never been really a, a list person. I always think I'd like to be, and I'll make lists, and, and then I just forget that I did a list. So I need to make a list to remind myself that I did a list, and then you can see where that ends up. Some people like walking. That's what my, I've been doing the last couple of years um, when I've been able, is that I just, I walk. And I, I find out that within five or ten minutes of walking, and talking with the Lord, I'm just like, the heavens just open for me. My brain is cleared up. And, and a lot of times, too, what I'll do is I'll, I'll maybe listen to a podcast, um, try to get my brain going, trying to learn something from somebody else. Um, I like to listen to music when I'm doing that. Um, maybe I like classical guitar, um, folk guitar. My favorite one right now is... Flamenco Fusion. Yeah, you should give it a shot. There's this guy named Greg Reeder. It's R-E-I-T-E-R, Greg Reeder. And, and he's got this song called Wicked Game. There's no, so, there's no word, so I don't have any idea what the song is. But, but when that song gets going, stuff starts happening in here. And, and if I've been praying and just kind of talking to the Lord and maybe listen to a podcast and then Wicked Game comes on, I'm stepping high. I'm walking like we got purpose. We're going to get something done, me and God, today. And, and I, I just start praying. I think, well, I hope I'm not too loud. I don't know. Walking through my neighborhood. Give it a shot. Greg Reader, if you can't get in the mood with wicked game playing, I just don't know what you're, you're, if there's any hope for you at all. <laughs> Some people find it just so much easier to to do it out, you know, to be with God outside and to connect with God outside. It's kind of, I call it the ricochet method. If you're familiar with ricochet, it was an old Western comic many years ago. Margaret actually grew up with the author's family or the, the guy that used to wrote that, write that. But he, I, I saw one the other day, speaking of springtime, Jen, you mentioned a new season and springtime and he was riding his horse through creation and and he was just noticing the, the birds coming out and making their nests and the baby lambs and the, just all the signs of new life that we here in the, in the mountain country, we just so appreciate. And, uh, and then he gets to the, you know, the cliff overlooking all of creation and, and he just says, well, thanks for all of that, Lord, and thanks for everything. Thanks, boss. <laughs> And that's kind of like his prayer. That's his way. That was church for ricochet. 
Bill Norton was a, a friend of ours, and years ago he visited here, he stayed with us, and he loved to walk and pray, and he was a prayer machine, and he was so loud. He would go out into our neighborhood, we lived in a cul-de-sac, and he, he would go out in our neighborhood, and, and he'd pray and pray and pray, and then all of a sudden he'd, you'd, you'd look outside, and he'd be standing in front of one of our neighbor's houses with his hands up in the air and praying really, really loud for the people in that house. And, and you could see, Margaret said she could see the neighbors peeking out through the curtains trying to figure out, what in the world is this going, what's going on here? But he was praying. He was praying for our neighbors. And, and I remember thinking, I don't think I've done that. I don't think, I mean, I, now I, I would just skulk by, you know, just walk past my, bless their house, Lord. <laughs> he would stand and he would yell. He would, he would just call down heaven upon that house and bring them all into the kingdom. I find myself out in the hills or the woods from time to time, not as often as I'd like. I always connect with God there. In fact, I always connect with God, and, and he always changes me every time. I, I can't think of a time that I have taken the time to go back up into the back country and seek God and, and worship him and, and not be changed. I'm changed every time. We should be changed every time we come into the presence of God, you guys. Every time. The immenseness of God. The, the glory of God. We read in the Old Testament, when people came into the presence of God, they, they couldn't stand any longer. Who are we to stand before God? I think that the challenge is, are, are we actually coming into the presence of God? Are we taking the time to do it? What's your routine? What is your thing? How are you doing this, you guys? I used to have a friend... Bill Coat, and he would put on headphones and he'd sit in front of the stereo and he'd put on worship music and it would be so loud you could practically hear it coming out of his headphones. And he would just go into the zone and he didn't care who was in the house. He lived in a house full of like five or six other guys who, who all were at various stages of discipleship. But he would just sit there in front of it and, and he would just go to town worshiping God. And it, it'd just be loud and, and wild. And he's a very loud human anyway. And I, I remember thinking, I really am inspired by that. He just didn't care what anybody else thought. That's why I prefer living in the country. I, we live in a little town right now. And, and I, it just isn't the same because I can't make as much noise wandering the streets of Churchill even though it's Churchill, you know, you'd think everybody in Churchill should be wandering the streets making lots of noise, but that isn't what's happening. There's another way. It's kind of a, some people would call it a canned way of going about things, but actually uh, it's something some of us, I think, I'm actually going to begin doing this. I, I, I've, I've taken a run at it a few times, but I'm actually made a decision this week that I'm going to go back to this for a season, and it's called the Anglican Common Prayer Book. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of it. Um, if you want to take a look at it, go to ACP online, ACP, uh, Anglican Common Prayer Book. It, it's not full of religion. It's not full of uh, a lot of, it, it really, it's just full of scripture is what it is. And, and on, if you go to apconline.org, 
you'll find that there's one section. It's not a, a very fancy website, but there's one section there for individuals or for families. And what it is is that it leads you through prayer and through scripture four times a day. In the morning, in the noon, in the early evening, uh, oftentimes before dinner and then uh, before bed. And what it does is you'll read part of a psalm and then a New Testament reading or an Old Testament reading, a prayer, and then the Lord's Prayer, and then what's called a collect, which is, I just like, it's like a final dedication. I I like to think of it as just kind of centering, (laughs) like you've just read a lot of scripture. And, and, and then throughout the day, you'll, you'll read those different things. You'll read something from, the Old Te- or something from the Psalms, something from the New Testament, and then the next one you'll read something from the Old Testament, and then the next one something from the New Testament, and the next one something from the Old Testament. So in one day, if you do this, you've read four Psalms, you've read two portions of the New Testament, two portions of the Old Testament, and you've prayed probably, probably, Eight times more than you did the day before if you weren't doing this. Because most of us get too busy, don't we? Which brings me to another way of going about things, which is free form. I think that's what most of us do. Not all of us. Charles Spurgeon, who is a magnificent hero in the faith, he said, I never pray more than five minutes, but I never go five minutes without praying. That's free form. Billy Graham said, I pray five times, he says, I pray five psalms a day. Because the psalms really are that, aren't they? They're a prayer. He says, I pray five psalms a day because they help me get along with God. And I uh, read one chapter of Proverbs a day because they help me get along with men. I figure if it's good enough for those two guys, free form. <laughs> I imagine, again, you can do this where you could just say, I'm just going to read the Psalms. That's, I've, that's what I have time, energy, faith for. I'm just going to read the Psalms. So read the Psalms, but make sure you're doing it. You, you guys, if, if we want to reflect the glory of God, which is why we're on the planet, we have to be with him. You, you got a deposit, it's, and that's what, how it's referred to, a deposit of the Holy Spirit. And, and there's a various uh, measures of fullness of the Holy Spirit. But we're given a deposit. It's like, a, it's like an earnest money deposit on the purchase of property. It's like something else is coming, but here's your deposit. It's the Holy Spirit. Wow, what a deposit. But he says, it's just a deposit of what's to come. What's to come? Well, one day, the, the earth can be filled with the glory of God, like the waters cover the, the sea. That's what's coming. What's coming, you guys, is a new heaven and a new earth. Not heaven. Forget heaven. Heaven's your portion, whatever heaven is. Jesus says, you'll be, to the sinner, he said, you'll be with me in paradise before the day is over. The one who was hanging on the cross, Remember? What is paradise? We don't really know what paradise is. We don't really know what heaven is. But what we do know is that when we're no longer in this, we'll be there. That's not the issue. That is not the gospel. The gospel is about the kingdom of God come to this earth. It's why the Lord's prayer is so important to us. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Okay, so that's what I'm studying right now. What are you studying? I've, I've, de I've just decided I don't understand enough about this kingdom stuff. Kingdom come. I want to know more about it. So I've, I've begun studying that. And I've been doing that now for a season. And, and, and I've, I've just actually talked with Clem Ferris yesterday. And when he's here, we're just going to kind of pound it a little bit. Because I, I need to go a little deeper. I need to understand what this means, new heaven and new earth. I don't get it yet. But I do know that I am not living on this earth so I can go to heaven someday. That is a false gospel. I am on this earth to bring glory to God and to be part of his kingdom coming. You guys, that is so much more exciting than what we've been doing, or at least what I've been doing. So I have a whole lot more to say. I'm not going to say it. The question becomes, why should I pray? We'll leave that for another day. But I want to just leave you with one story and then a song. I'm not going to sing, don't worry. You remember the story of Esther? Haman, her uncle, uh, or not her uncle, Haman was an enemy of her uncle, and he had a plot to kill all of the Jews. And Esther got as many Jews as she could praying and fasting. And they were praying that, that God would change the heart of the king. And the scripture says that night the king could not sleep. There's another version of it, another translation that says, that night God took away the king's sleep. Why? Because they were fasting and they were praying. They were seeking God. And it says, the king called for the history books to be read and they reminded him that Mordecai had saved the king's life. And the king said, where is Mordecai? Has he been rewarded? And they said, no. He says, well, go get me Mordecai. I want to know what I can do for him. And when Mordecai gets there, he says, well, actually, Haman is trying to wipe out all of the Jews, including me. And Haman met his end. Why? Because God's people were doing what they've been instructed to do, which was to fast and to pray. That's why we want to be doing it. And, and, and I combine the idea of, state of, of a regular, if not a daily study of Scripture and prayer because I really think, you guys, one informs the other. They, it's, it's like a glove on both hands. Instead of just one warm hand, you've got two warm hands now. It, it, one always is going to feed the other. If you're in Scripture, you have to pray. You, you have to worship because you're just so amazed at the wonder of God. And, but if, if you're praying, your prayer needs to be informed by the truth, and the truth is contained in the Word as well as in the Spirit. I could spend quite a bit more time trying to convince you why I think you should be doing this, but I don't think I need to. I think it's time to grow up. I think it's time for us to grow up and not be leaning on someone else to be doing this for us. I think it's time for us to really, really throw ourselves into becoming more like Christ all the time. And the way we do that is by being with him. And the way we do that is in prayer and worship and the word. So I'm going to leave you with a song. Thank you.